Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Back. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. How are you? I'm I'm so excited about this donation drive. Oh, oh man, all right. Aren't you? Sure. I just didn't expect you to jump right in like and, that. And and uh, again, now I get the feeling I'm going to say this again next week. Okay. I just, just kind of it's just uh, you know, I I get premonitions at at, at some Absolutely. At some points. Um but uh you know, I'm excited yes that we're going to be able to pay for some some stuff that mm-hmm. we are that it, you know, uh we already get you know the occasional donation, those very helpful to know donations uh, last drive, you know, uh, the occasional sponsor, all go towards paying. It all goes back into the show. Absolutely. It doesn't cover everything, right. nor, nor does it cover the stuff we want to do in the future. Exactly. So when I say I'm excited about the donation drive, I do mean that I'm excited for the money that's going to come in that's going to help us pay for things mm-hmm. we want to do. But I also, and again, I'm going to cover this ground again next week. Okay. I think. All right. Um, I also... I'm excited for the listener. Oh, all right. Or the donor, specifically. Yeah. Why are you excited for them? Because when they donate, as long as they follow the rules, we'll get to those in a second, okay. they are entered, uh, their name is put in a, in, in a big, uh, not in a hat. Okay. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Maybe. I just, I think. Um, they put, like, like, like one of those bingo things. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. You crank. Yes, yeah. and, and, and three people... Uh, that's our normal way of doing it. Yeah, three lucky winners. Three lucky winners will get a variety of prizes. Mm. Uh, and what, what do we have, you know? We got comedy CDs from a Mike Kaplan, mm-hmm. from uh, Robert Buscemi, uh, Graham Elwood. Yeah. We got a couple of books. Sure. We got Chris Mancini's book, Pacify Me. We have the Comedy Film Nerd's Guide to Movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. We have what I believe will be a signed, I'm not 100% on that, but I believe a, a signed copy of Entrance. Oh, sure. Directed by Dallas Allen and Patrick Horvath. And featuring a commentary by, by David truly. and myself. Yes. Very exciting. Um, and ent- and uh, an entire season of your choice of Mike Schmidt's podcast, The 40-Year-Old Boy. Absolutely. And more prizes uh, to be announced, including some, perhaps, possibly, from our guest today. Indeed. But I won't go into But details. we won't know yeah. about that for, I predict, two weeks. I don't think we'll know it next week. <laughs> yeah, you don't That's, think we're going to cover it next I, You're not the only one with premonitions, David. And <laughs> I also, incidentally, I predict that next week I will maybe come off a little too harsh. I'm jo- I feel like I'll be joking, okay. but it may not come across. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so We're getting a lot of premonitions about next week's episode. But, uh, I, yeah, I do want to say... Um, as you might have guessed from our, uh, you know, uh, very sort of obvious joking around the subject, uh, we're recording episodes a bit early. Um, so there are more prizes to come, and I definitely recommend going to the website. You'll have to go there anyway to do, the, do, do your donating and check mm-hmm. up on the prizes then. That list will be updated and will be current whenever you go and check on it. And that's up in the upper right-hand corner of the of the homepage. Well, in the upper right-hand corner is the Donate button, but down below that there is, is the Donate another Drive button, yes. 2012. Yes. Button. I predict there's going to be some confusion about that next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All so. right. Um, okay, so here, we got to go through, like... Well, first I want to tell rules. them how. Okay. Now, how you donate. All right. Uh, how you qualify. Any donation, any one-time donation of $5 or more gets you in the running. Absolutely. Also, any recurring donation, the subscription donations, these are the, these are the ones that are hyper-convenient because you don't even feel them. You don't even feel them. Yeah. Any, any, uh, of any 
monthly donation of two dollars or more. It's a subscription donation that lasts one year. Mm-hmm. We won't we won't renew it at the end of the year automatically. Yeah, that's it, up to you. Next donation. Yes, uh, it lasts one year. Uh, any any subscription donation of two dollars or more. You can also mm-hmm. do four, eight, ten, or sixteen dollars. Right. Hold off on that though. Um, uh, so any five dollar donation of one time. That was a weird Yoda type sentence. (laughs) Any one-time $5 or more donation or any recurring donation of $2 a month or more gets you in the running for these three prize packages. Right. Furthermore, new thing we're doing this year. That's right. New wrinkle. Any one-time donation of $100 or more Mm -hmm. or any recurring donation of $16 or more. Well, I guess $16 is the highest you can go. Right. Um, Yes. Any, Any subscription donation of $16 gets you in a separate running. And what mm-hmm. that'll be is that uh, you get to, whenever you know, whenever our schedules work out and you happen to be in town, you can come hang out with us while we do an episode, which is not a treat in and of itself. Don't think for a second that we think we're, we're like uh, a big treat to hang out with. I think but, it a little bit. <laughs> I think you're a treat to hang out with. That's why I do it every week. Uh, yeah, samesies. Um, uh, but... Uh, the, the the real fun part is that when if you are the winner of this, you give us a list of say your top five favorite guests, mm-hmm. and uh, whichever one is free and willing, yeah, uh, that we'll, second one I think is going to play the bigger role. Yes, um, we'll get them as the guest on that episode that you come and watch, so you can hang out and see your favorite uh, comedian or filmmaker or actor or critic <sighs> in action. What? <laughs> we'll talk to that about this yeah. in a second. Um, uh, is that it? Oh, you know what? A, a few things. Uh, not a few things. Two things. But um, I also I forgot to mention this next week. Um, but <laughs> yeah, the, I didn't mean to structure it that way. Uh, the first twenty, and actually next week it won't even apply. The first twenty-five. Oh sure. To donate anything, they get a free battleship pretension button. Although by the time you hear this, we might have already reached twenty-five. Uh, probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're we're pretty close already. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's something. And then I wanted to let everyone know because we thought we said like, well, it goes right back into the site. Okay, I want to yes. let everyone know. Here's some specifics. This is what we could do with your money. Some of it is stuff that we're already doing. Some of it is stuff yeah. we'd like to do. Stuff we're already doing. Obviously, bandwidth yeah. um, and and just paying just paying for the site and the storage and all yeah. the normal and paying for and you guys to come and see. You know, that's that that takes up bandwidth as well. What's that? For for them to come and uh, and look that uh, you know to look at the website. Well, yeah, I don't understand what you're saying. If somebody visits, then there's a spike. Oh, sure, sure. In, okay, I see yeah. what you're saying. Yes. So, uh, that obviously, you know, us just being a being present on the internet costs some money. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, those awesome uh, home video reviews you read on the website, those uh, are writers, our volunteer writers live all over the country, and mm-hmm. we, uh, we have to send them uh, a, a lot of stuff. So, that, yeah. that's the stuff we already do. Right. What's coming up? Possibly? Well, okay, we've gotten a lot of compliments. If our, if our listeners are generous enough. Indeed. <laughs> if... if it's up to them. So uh, we've already, we've gotten a lot of compliments on the audio reviews by West, and uh, thanks everybody for for emailing us about that. Uh, we were thinking of making that its own feed, a separate feed that people can subscribe to, uh, separate from this, and that will cost money, not very much, not but, much, but, but that'll, that that, means that costs something. So we want to do that. Uh, David, uh, I believe, has mentioned that we were thinking of uh, at some point trying to do Sundance and or that, any number of you any know, number of other film festivals South by Southwest yeah. Fantastic Fest Palm Springs so <laughs> Toronto um, I, I love Palm Springs I'm just looking for the opportunity to go it, 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 
it amazes me that you love Palm Springs. <laughs> Why? If I'm in your car mm-hmm. and it's 69 degrees outside, yeah. you've got the air conditioner on full blast. That is not true at all. It, it is. If I, it is 80 or more, it's on full blast. If it is any other temperature, it's probably just on the first setting. <laughs> okay, yeah, but I've been in your car, like, when it's dark outside mm-hmm. and, like, had to p- put my hands in my pockets because it's so cold in your car. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was transporting a Southern Bell. Why do you... And yet his home is like a pizza oven. <laughs> <laughs> I only have one air conditioner and I'm doing what I can, all right? Um, why do you like Palm Springs? It's like 117 degrees there. How much time do you think I'm spending outside in Palm Springs? <laughs> to, the hotter it is, the better the AC is in every place. I see. I see what you're saying. Also, okay. they have a really great art museum, and the uh, the uh, tram that goes up into the mountains where it's a solid 40 to 50 degrees cooler mm-hmm. is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I've never done that. I've been to Morongo. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, so we'd oh, like to go thing. to any number of, uh, any number of uh, film festivals. And then also, and lastly, we enjoy doing those videos. All right, the uh, we've done seven of them. Mm-hmm. One of them featuring our guest today, who has been very, very nice so far to to listen to this. Yeah, he, uh, this has gone on too long. T- no question about that. I'm enjoying. Maybe this will be a. Maybe we'll have this be a supplement. Okay. So, um, but yeah, we would let. So those those videos they cost money. We try to make you know we want to make sure the crew is paid, that our guests are paid, and we want to make sure that the technical quality is there. And so, um, so we're, and we're very proud of them. And uh, we'd like to do more, but they do cost money. So if you like those videos and you want some of these prizes or maybe even to sit in with, a, with us and a guest, donate. Click on the Donation Drive 2012 button or click Donate. You know what? They take it to the same place. Now let me introduce uh, our guest, someone who might be on your top five list, and I'm sure will be so happy to come hang out with the listener, <laughs> Pat Healy. Hello. <laughs> so explain your reaction to that. I think it's great. I would be thrilled. I would be honored to be okay. one of those selected guests. And I just want to say, watching you guys do what you think, probably think is boring or tedious, the, the love in your eyes <laughs> when you go for, through the... For what we do or for one another? For one another. Oh, okay. yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Good, uh, it's a good pairing. It's a nice couple. Uh-huh. Nice couple of swell guys <laughs> talking about donation drives. Good Lord. <laughs> I was getting choked up over here. <laughs> uh, for the record, the the because uh, I know it's a. It w- it Did we will say be who I was? Oh. Uh, yeah, I said Pat Healy. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. hi guys. Uh, yeah, if, if you don't know Pat Healy, well, yeah, then you're not paying attention. Yeah, that's yeah. what I say. You don't uh, listen to the show. We don't want you. Uh, let's. I mean, uh, slow recently, down. We need people donate. Well, we'll get to compliance. Oh, yeah, a yeah, bit, sure. But also, uh, obviously, Great World of Sound, The Innkeepers, Magnolia. Ghost World. Uh, Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Yes. That, uh, that episode of Charmed. Oh, I don't remember th- uh, that, but I do remember it's oh, great. Good. Your episode of Angel is great. That's one of the, my favorite things that I've done, yeah. 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 But you're in uh, pretty heavy makeup. I am. The whole time. Yeah. A non-Culkin Home Alone movie, right? Yes. The, okay. My first film, yeah, Home Alone 3. All right. Taking back the house is that what it is? <laughs> is that what I don't think it has I don't know, a subtitle. That might be a fourth. That, there might be a fourth one that was like there is a fourth video. one. Yeah. Okay, maybe that's taking back yeah, the yeah. house. Huh. Yeah. By the way, I was at a bar 
on Vermont called Rockwell the other night. I don't know yes. why I'm plugging them. Were you there for a Beatles karaoke by any uh, chance? No, I had just, uh, my girlfriend and I had gone to see The Queen of Versailles at the Los Angeles uh, yeah. which is a great documentary. That's where I see lots of films. Um, did you see The Queen of Versailles? I have not seen that really yet, good. but that's also a film from Magnolia who who, who did great uh, oh. compliance and Great World of Sound. So, But then we walked around the corner to uh, Rockwell to have a, a, a drink and a, and a late dinner, and Magnolia was on the TV, and it was your scene when I walked in. It's crazy the life that that movie has, because I've been telling a lot of people, I, I get that that's my favorite movie all the time from people Mm -hmm. and it was not a very universally well-liked film when it came out it just was it had mixed reviews most people that i spoke to didn't like it um Mm -hmm. it didn't make much money uh but it's it's a uh it's become a a fixture a staple Mm -hmm. and it's um you know it's still something that people talk to me about all the time, so it's really kind of remarkable. I, I I did talk to Tyler about this idea a little bit earlier before you were here, which is that you know the really great films are the ones that that, that are great over time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's plenty of kids that come up to me after screenings, after um, you know, innkeepers or compliance, and you know they want to talk about Magnolia, and one of them has a Fight Club shirt on, and I say, you know, nobody liked those movies when they came out. You know. <laughs> Those are like, you know, what we used to call cult movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah. now because of DVD and, and, and Blu-ray and video and all this stuff, that they've become, you know, uh, more than cult movies. They've become really successful movies and yeah. have another life uh, afterwards, you know. I was just this past weekend at one of the uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery screenings of Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, right. And it was packed. It was a huge that party. That played for a week in L.A. Uh, yeah. yeah, like huge like party. Everyone's laughing. Like, the, you know, people like pre-laughing at their favorite parts. It's clearly... A hugely loved movie, yeah. like sold out uh, seating. And you look it up on Rotten Tomatoes; it's like thirty percent. Yeah, Rotten terrible Tomatoes. reviews. It play, like, barely played for a week, and that was like it premiered at Sundance when I was there in two thousand one with my short mullet. And then it just like it was like a year and a half later or something. It played for a week here, and then only getting it on DVD was just like, oh my god, this is amazing! You know, I love yeah. that movie so much. But like. I mean, in some ways, I had the misfortune of being in a lot of movies like that, that are like, I had the good fortune of being in them, but they're movies that don't, they didn't get recognized at the time, therefore, there wasn't a lot of career momentum for me. But now, now that things are coming around in my career, uh, they, they are, you know, I'm happy to have them as, as jewels in the crown, as it were, because they're, just, you know, great films. Well, which and, ones are you talking about, other than Magnolia? Uh, I, Magnolia, I mean, Ghost World was a smaller movie, but it it wasn't. I mean, both got nominated for uh, Oscars, you know, screenplay Oscars, but it wasn't like a movie that a lot of people saw. Uh, Jesse James was certainly a movie that um, uh, lots of people thought was the best movie of the year, think so now, it's one of their favorite movies, but it was was not even liked by its studio that released it, which barely released it, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, you know, those those three in particular I'm thinking about... um, great world of sound i'm very pleased that with compliance people go well oh the guy has another movie and they're seeing that they're Mm -hmm. discovering that movie for the first time so that's that's been rewarding because i don't think i'd ever even been recognized from that film and i'm the star of it until recently which and now it's happening quite a bit and that's from just some people have seen compliance but it's just from people hearing about compliance and reading about it and seeing this other movie available so so I guess it's coming around, but it, fe- it feels it's it's nicer. Like you know, later on in my life, it feels it feels uh, earned. I, I'm enjoying it more. I appreciate it more. You know, 
And what's sure, interesting, and you've got you know a, a good solid base, so all the fame won't go to your head. Yeah, I've got a good yeah exactly <laughs> so, solid moral base. I don't, I don't think you're wrong. Like I think there's a lot of people when they get young and they get in, they they they, they just never really learned how to handle it, and mm-hmm. they weren't mature enough to. But also, I have. Um, you know the base of uh, the work. I've just done tons and tons of work, and you just get better at things. You know, the more you do them. I, I, I personally feel that you know I'm doing the best work that I've ever done. So uh, there's there's something to that. I'm fine with it. There's a. Uh, I was looking on uh, Hulu Plus the other day, and it recommended a movie to me, the name of which I don't recall. Uh, but there was a guy on the cover who looked familiar to me. Mm. And uh, and I was like, I think I know who that is. Got it. Okay. Years ago, when I worked at Blockbuster, he and his girlfriend uh, were regular uh, renters. And he has since gone on to be in, I think, uh, like Immortals and that sort of thing. So he's, his, his career has taken off to a certain extent. And he's, I think What's he's been pretty big on uh, TV. Mickey Rourke. <laughs> Kellen Lutz. Corey Sevier or something like uh, that. That story was so anticlimactic. I'm sorry, everybody. Closevine. <laughs> That's and, it. I'm and sorry. that man was Joe Fitzer Spots. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Fitzer Spots. He didn't go anywhere. We all know that. But um, but what I mean to say is like it's he's getting roles in legit films. Mm-hmm. So one day he uh, he and his girlfriend came into Blockbuster and they. And at the time, there was the opportunity where you could rent something and convert it into a sale. Those and were the days. I know. It was good, good <laughs> stuff. Um, and so they were renting Decoys 2. It was a straight-to-DVD horror movie, sequel to a straight-to-DVD horror movie. Of course, Decoys. Yes. Sure, yeah. yes. <laughs> and he was apparently in yeah, both, but he was above the title on ah. Decoys 2. So he and his girlfriend walk up, and he's like, hey, I'd like to convert this to a sale. And I was just like, yeah, sure. And I see the name on it, I was like, hey, that's you. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. I was like, that's pretty neat, huh? And he goes, yeah, I guess. And then his girlfriend, I wanted to hug her. She goes, hey, it is very exciting. Aww. Like she said that to him. And it's like, oh, yeah. she's being so encouraging. And as and when I saw, when I looked at his IMDb page and he's been in more notable things, it's like, and he's like a good looking guy. I bet he will be not necessarily a star, but I think he will be uh bigger as, as time goes career. on and uh and i and i had the feeling like you know what i bet he's gonna be a humble guy because yeah. he rem- he remembers decoys sure. and decoys too and uh and yeah. and he uh knew he knows where he comes from oh somebody was asking me the other day about the worst things i was in and i was just like remembering this some of the things that you know luckily i'm not the you know the star of necessarily but it's just are just execrable just execrable. Can you are, are are you keeping them under wraps? No, no, I mean there was this movie that I did uh, 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 when I first moved out here. Um, it's funny because a friend of mine uh, just did a movie with these producers that, who produced that film many years ago, and I was I was with them over the weekend, and uh, he was just talking about these awful producers and the awful things that they're doing to him with the money and all that stuff. And I go, wait, is that? And he, mm-hmm. is that, yeah, and they produced this movie called more dogs than bones and uh it's this awful thing it's if you remember in the five years after pulp fiction everybody was Uh just like let's get an ensemble cast dialogue and guns and then it'll Uh be like pulp fiction so there's like eight thousand movies like that uh, you know 95 percent of which are terrible and this is one of them and uh, it's like it's mercedes rule and peter coyote and Whoopi goldberg and 
There's a couple other people in it too. It's it's chasing it's a, a sack of money movie. Yeah, that's a, that's an Oscar worthy cast it's right there. It's just awful, and and I, it's most memorable for because my friend was was telling me about you know his dealings with them that uh, they asked me to. It was actually when I was filming Magnolia at the same time, and I and I they had me come in for to do some reshoots that they wanted to shoot in Las Vegas. So they had to fly me out to Las Vegas. And I had to arrange it with Magnolia and make sure it was cool and all that stuff. And uh, I get there, and my hotel was not paid for. See, in the business, for those people who don't know, like all that stuff's taken care of so that you can just do your job. <laughs> and if you work out of town, you get a per diem, which is just money that you use to buy food and stuff like that because you're away from home. So I go, and my hotel room's not paid for. So I thought, you know, I was a broke young actor. I had to lay down money for a hotel room at the Hilton, and then I had to... Um, buy my own dinner and all this stuff and I and then I went to the set the next day and told the producer and I was kind of telling him in confidence like because I didn't want to like him to be embarrassed about it or maybe it was a mistake or whatever and just very loudly in front of the entire cast and crew just out you want your money you want your money here here he takes out a big <laughs> wad of cash and he starts throwing hundred dollar bills at me he's like it's all about the money for you and I was just like I'd really gone out of my way to like go and do this <laughs> and then in the end too they um they, they cheated me out of the money. They never ended oh. up paying me the, uh, my m- m- fee that I agreed to go and do and like sort of drop everything oh. else that I was doing. So that was a terrible movie and a terrible experience. Probably a good thing that he threw that money at you then. I'm yeah, glad to hear something. that they're still up to their own uh, <laughs> shenanigans, including harassing the star of their movie that's playing at international festivals and keeping him from appearing because he so despises them. Hmm. Um, and uh, and there's, there's another film... That I did with David Boreanaz actually, after I did Angel, called Mister Fix It, which oh, is I can picture the cover. Yeah, it's kind of like I think Hitch kind of like was the sort of same idea, mm-hmm. and there's another movie with Dane Cook that's sort of the same idea where it's like Good Luck Chuck. Yeah, it's a guy who goes out with if if your girlfriend breaks up with you, oh. he goes out with them and he acts like such an a okay. hole that they want to get back to him. It's it's like it's it, the one I actually saw. It's, it's Hitch, right? Uh, but no, the Dane Cook one is my best friend's girl. Okay. okay. I didn't see it. As, I, as, as many Dane Cook films, I missed it. I'll, I'll get, let's get back to it. Here's, I not only saw my best friend's girl, I had to do closed captioning for it, which means oh, I right. watched it frame oh. by frame. Isn't like second, you know. Have you, in, to, have you been in, how long have you been in PTSD therapy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to, I mean, to close caption a movie, it's like two eight-hour shifts sure. just to get through a movie. So I watched it. That and... Uh, uh, Larry the Cable Guy's Witless Protection. I did oh, both wow. of those horrible movies. Closed captioned them, and just uh, just took me just spent two days watching those. Yeah, well, those I are the say, two. Um, Ricky Lindholm is 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 very charming in My Best Friend's Girl. Oh, okay. Does that have Kate Hudson in it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but Ricky Lindholm is one of the girls that he right goes out with, and she was in Last House on the Left too, with which, which, which Sarah see. was in. Yeah, from Innkeepers. Yeah, which I liked. Uh, sorry, do you have more to say about Mr. Fix It? It's, it sucks. I mean, it's just bad. <laughs> I mean, I play like the you know the cuckold, or the the other guy, and uh, it's just it's bad. And it's I feel really bad because the director's a really nice guy, and he like he had this cast and crew screening, and I mean, I, I was probably before I was being smart or political about my career, and I am just an, an honest, upfront guy, you know. And you know, I, I've been through a lot of therapy. I don't tend to hold back a lot. I don't try to hurt people or anything but like he invited me to cast a cruise screening and like Paul Servino was in the movie and he was there and he like stood up afterwards and like pronounced it to be this like you know this is a marvelous film or something (laughs) it was just like really embarrassing and I slunk out of there and (laughs) 
<laughs> I got a call from this guy a few days later, and he was just like, "Hey, man, I missed you after the movie. I, I you know, let me know. I'm really interested in what you think." And I just I called him back, and I got his machine. And being the spineless coward I am, I I just left him a message about. I didn't really like the movie, and I said, I'm sorry. I know it was hard for you to do, and I really liked it, but, I mean, that's sort of why I left, and I just wanted to be up front with you. And I never heard from him again, but I, I, I both, you know, I haven't heard from him personally or professionally, but uh, I, I probably would not, I wouldn't do that today. I don't know what I would do. I don't think it's right to confront someone like that. Like, I've already, like, I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but, like, I already did the job. You know what I mean? And, like, I'm not, you know, I guess, are you paying me to like it? I'll go and tell other people that I like it if that's part of the thing. Like, go on TV shows and stuff. Like, like when Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds did that body-switching movie, and they went on every show with the tightest eyes and faces you could <laughs> have ever seen and tried to say it was good. Yeah. I think Bateman even kind of leaked out that it was a piece of crap on, on Letterman. But, like, you know, I'll do that. I mean, but those guys get paid a lot of money to do uh-huh. that, you know. But uh, I'm not supposed to just, you know, okay. tell you something's good if it's not. I mean, But in, you know. and in the spirit of that, you really don't like this compliance movie, right? Like. Uh, it is so misogynistic <laughs> and unbelievable, and um, I don't know myself. No, I don't. Now, um, no, I'm a big fan of, of the movie Compliance. I haven't seen Compliance yet, so this will be a spoiler-free, I guess, uh, Boo. episode. Well, oh, I guess other people that, haven't that seen it, That might be good yes, for the audience. Not, <laughs> yeah, in some ways, me. that I mean, I was talking to Craig Zobel, the director, about this. In some ways... I know that the the distributor wants to keep certain things, you know, as spoiler free. And in another way, Craig's you know sort of philosophy is that some of the things that are could considerably be conceivably be considered spoilers are not really spoilers. And if you knew them, they they actually might enhance and are actually quite obvious. And mm-hmm. in some ways, I just I'm taking a minute to do my spoiler soapbox thing. It's gotten a little out of control with people with the spoiler things. Like, a movie should be able to stand on its own, whether mm-hmm. or not... It's it's great to not know anything about a movie going into it, but we've gotten a little out of control, whereas, like, there's certain people who have viewed this movie and reviewed it as if a certain aspect of the film involving me is a spoiler, and it isn't. And it should be quite obvious from the beginning. And they view it as a negative, as if, oh, yeah, duh. And it's like, well, it's not really any reasonable person would know right. this piece of information but I, I haven't seen it I think I know what you're talking yeah. about just knowing the if you know the, the case which I'm sure we're going to talk yeah. about then it's not it's not yeah. going to be a surprise I think what is a surprise is in the way that things unfold and in and as is the pleasure of any you know good movie the way things are uh, unfold the way the story is told um, is is the pleasure or, or in this case the displeasure or, or uncomfortability of the movie but nonetheless I think gripping and and you know fascinating uh, character and psychological study. Uh, well, I just in, in in thinking about just like literally the past couple minutes, I thought of uh, a correlation between this movie and your episode of Angel. <laughs> in that uh, in that episode of Angel, almost all your scenes aren't with the main cast, right? And it seems like it's kind of the same. Uh, it's the it, same thing in compliance. It's strange to say that because. There's also a, a, a type of pyramid scheme going on here in this film, which which is, which is evidence in Angel and in Great World of Sound as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've moved up on the scale of the pyramid from Great World of Sound to this one. Um, you know, it's interesting to, for, for, to even hear that because 
um, you know, the film is about a series of, of prank phone calls that were made. And, uh, you know, I'm on one end of the line and the rest of the cast is on the other. But we were all on the same set. Uh, two different rooms in the same building. I was downstairs. They were upstairs. And we were all actually on the telephone the whole time. So all the calls are recorded live. So in my mind, even though I wasn't seeing them, I, f- I feel very much like I'm in right. every scene with them. And then when you watch the film cut together, you see us interacting with each other. So it, it, it doesn't – it never felt that way to me. It wasn't – it was very important for Craig and myself – to not do what's done on most movies for expediency's sake, which is you shoot everyone's coverage and then maybe that you get the actor to read his lines, you know, off camera, but usually it's a script supervisor or whatever, and then everyone's kind of shooting their phone coverage and pretending, you know, months mm-hmm. apart. And in this case, we did it, and I, it really enhances the performances and it really enhances the, the reality and the effectiveness of the movie by doing it that way. And I think it's a really novel technique. I don't know that anyone's really quite done it this way before and that credit goes to craig and um chris Gebert, who is the sound designer uh who has you know went to school with all the guys and david green and, and danny mcbride and jody hill all those guys at north carolina school of the arts that still work together who works on all our films and you know figured out how to do that but it, it's um it's something i think that really adds to the what's that word for for a miss a verisimilitude what he said <laughs> of, the, of the movie it just really is a, you know I think it it gets under people's skin because it's so real where did you shoot it here in Los Angeles we shot it actually in uh, New Jer- uh, well in Brooklyn uh, was the majority of it and, and um, some in New Jersey some exteriors uh, in New Jersey uh, overnight in a in a fast food restaurant that I shan't name <laughs> I, I shan't give you the name of but um uh, mostly on a soundstage in, in um, uh, Bushwick, Brooklyn. Yeah. And uh, over 18 days in the mm-hmm. winter of 2011. 2011. Yeah. I keep trying to remind myself to say that. Yes. And your your co-stars are Dreamer Walker. Yes. Am I saying her Yeah, Dreamer right? Walker, who is amazing and remarkably raw and, and uh, real, which is... You know, she does a lot of television and comedy. She's on the, the Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. Yeah. And I know her from The Good Wife, where she was Good great. Wife, Gossip yeah. Girl. She's a terrific cool. actress, yeah. and she has to do a lot of very brutal stuff in this movie. And she's she's really quite brave and uh, quite a quite a terrific person too. And you know, gotten to know her really well and her her, her significant other, and, and you know, become quite close. And uh, who is the other? Uh, uh, Anne Dowd, who is the is the lead actress who plays Sandra, the manager, who is uh, she's brilliant. <laughs> she's uh, really remarkable. I I was a little bit familiar with her work. She's been in. If you do, if you look at her IMDb, it's like she's done a million she, things. She's been in everything. She's one of those that you've seen her uh, in. I think I guess Garden State is like the thing that most people know. She's yeah. the mom in Garden State, but she's she she's been in a million TV shows and movies. But she's a big theater actress in New York. And Craig saw her. Someone had recommended her, and he saw her in a play called Blood from a Stone. It was a play that Ethan Hawke was in, and he thought she was really quite amazing. And and she came in and and did this, and it's. Uh, it's an incredible. I mean, in any year. I mean, I know I'm biased, but like, it's it's not a surprise. That it, I was telling Tyler before. It's quite a surprise that the movie's getting the sort of attention and accolades it's gotten because it's such a small movie and we're not, we don't have a big 
you know, publicity push on it or a lot of money to put into a campaign, but there are already almost every review singles her out for, you know, this is an Oscar worthy performance and and I agree. And even some of the really influential blogs that start to talk about that stuff have already started to talk about her in that way. Um, well, let's get, get, can you tell, I guess the, the, the story of the case it's based on? Sure. The, uh, the story of compliance is based, actually it's, it's a bit of an amalgam of a number of cases that took place over a decade, uh, ending in 2004 with, uh, this particular incident in Mount Washington, Kentucky at a McDonald's restaurant where a man, a prank caller essentially, uh, claiming to be a police officer, uh, called, told the manager that her employee, a young woman, was a thief, that he couldn't uh, get there right away and that she needed to detain her, search her, strip search her, and eventually she was, over the course of you know, four and a half hours, uh, degraded, humiliated, other people were brought in, other employees, uh, and uh, eventually a sexual assault, a rape uh, took place. So uh, all on the orders of someone on the other end of the line who claimed he was a police officer. And um, the way that Craig discovered this story was he was, he's very interested in behavior psychology, and um, he was researching this guy named Stanley Milgram who did an experiment in 1961, I believe. He was interested in the Nuremberg trials that were going on at the time where mm-hmm. all the Nazis were saying, you know, we were just following orders. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to know if that was a particularly German thing or a cultural thing or what. So he, he conducted this series of experiments where he had a plant, an actor in the other room, who was supposedly hooked up to electrodes. Mm-hmm. And then he brought in different people. Uh, of all ages and races and and sex and um, had them issue a series of questions and if they got the question wrong they were to administer administer electric shock to the to the person in the other room that they did not know was an actor you've seen the funny version of that in the beginning of Ghostbusters Mm -hmm. Uh, but um, uh, as the test progressed the actor in the other room audibly was screaming out and asking for it to stop and at the point where the subjects were to uh, administer what they knew to be lethal doses of uh, electric shocks they all administered it they weren't happy about it they all expressed their dismay but when they asked the, the man in the lab coat should they do this? He said, it's okay. I'm, I'm responsible. You don't have to worry about it. They complied. So that number is it very solidly came down between 62 and 70 or 67%. So roughly two-thirds of us I was, uh, would do the same thing. I don't know if you listened to Radiolab, but they did a, a while ago uh, a whole episode about... Uh, about this and other sort of yeah, and those are all those were all filmed too, so you can yeah. see them. On, and the, yeah, on, they played on the, the, the clips on the on the radio show. And one of the things they talked about that I think that doesn't get talked about when I talk about the story is that there were things that the the, the researcher person that had a, you know responses to each each thing and, and would keep pushing them. And when it would get 
without fail, every time we would get to their final thing, which is you have to do this, yes. the person would stop. Say no, yes. yes. Because they had to, it was only when they believed they were doing it for the good of something, they believed in some cause right. that they went through with yeah, it. Yeah, there's zero compliance on, on you must. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting. And, and someone brought up in a screening recently in New York that, the subjects of the of those tests, you know, had to go and undergo a lot of therapy, and they were really kind of messed up by it. And 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 in no way, I mean, Craig sort of you know agrees that the, the, they're a little messed up, you know, like thing to do to a person, even if it's not real. But um, they were reconducted again in 2007, I believe, under AMA guidelines, very strict guidelines, and the results were exactly the same. Wow. And they've been conducted all over. Uh, anyway, Craig was researching that. And this Mount Washington, Kentucky incident and the other calls uh, was cited as what would be called a real-life example of the mm. Milgram experiment sort of bearing itself out. It's really, it, it's really astounding. The, and so I, I put this out on Twitter, and I, I tweeted it to you specifically, and I think mm. I might have incorporated it in my review. I don't recall, but uh, I went and saw the, uh, the critic screening, and it was a packed house. And during the film, two se- in two separate uh, points in the film, somebody got up and walked out. Mm-hmm. I thought perhaps they were going to the bathroom. Not that it's a particularly long film, but I thought maybe they're just doing that. But they never came back. So one person left maybe about an hour, hour and 15, uh, about an hour in. And then the other person left about 10 minutes after that. And they just, and they were just gone. It's and not, it's not uncommon. It is not uncommon. And that, that's the first thing I heard about it before even. And I, I think I tweeted it to you when I was hearing all this stuff about Sundance. I didn't even know you were in it at the time. Oh, right. I just knew that, oh, Craig Zobel, well, that's, you know, great world sound friend of yours. May, have you heard about this? Well, of course you heard about that because <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't follow Sundance that much. Yeah. But, uh, and when I've looked at the various, and you and I talked about this a little bit uh, before we started recording, mm-hmm. people's complaints about the film are varied. Yeah. Like, it's not one thing. It's like, there are some people who say it's misogynistic. There are some people who say it's exploitative. And I would say that those opinions are, are in the minority, but, but right. people do have them. Yeah. And I should also point out that a large majority of people who walk out come back for the Q&A, hmm. which is interesting. Well, I, I have found... Uh, uh, and I'm quite pleased to have found that most at, people don't walk out. Too at, well, right yes. at, after Sundance, I was hearing more about the I guess I guess controversy is the word or or the Q and A that I guess had some icky moments in it. Sure, I was hearing more about that than whether or not the film was good. But now that it's coming out, I'm hearing more that the film and that's good. great for us. Yeah. I mean, because. I'm not going to lie and say that that wasn't great publicity for us. We didn't welcome it. It was one of the most unpleasant few hours of my life, really. It was sickening and Mm -hmm. just very stressful. And someone has pointed out that, you know, the film's not available on VOD. They're just putting it in theaters. That was, for prestige reasons, I think, you know, we, you know, really wanted people to to see this. And I think that that VOD thing, as much as I know it's a good business model for some people, it it guts the film's release. It makes it less than. It it, it makes it seem like a straight-to-video movie. And and they really, like Mm -hmm. Magnolia, to their credit, really got behind doing this. But some reviewers... I I know that's another conversation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I kind of disagree. I think things are going in a place where people are more... I I agree, but the perception is still that. And, you know, no one goes to see it in the theater. And this is very much a film that... You know, several reviewers have pointed out 
incorrectly that the reason we're only showing in theaters is to conduct experiments in the theater on the audience. <laughs> That's not the case. It's the, it's the case that I, that, that I told you. And I like VOD. I, I use it too. But there is something about seeing a movie like this in a the theater where it's like I saw it the first time with 30 people that all worked on it and knew what it was in a small screening room in New York. And then I saw it on in a you know theater at Sundance with 450 people a lot of whom when people buy tickets at Sundance they don't know what they're buying tickets for they see the title it's hard to get tickets so you get tickets for what you want to see and they some people were just aghast Mm -hmm. and some of those people stayed and some of those people stayed just to yell something and leave and and a lot of those people stayed um to fight the people that were yelling which to be fair were was two people both Mm -hmm. of whom we spoke to Later, both of whom had alternative motives. One of whom was writing, well, had a blog about th- how Sundance was the year of the woman, and she was already doing that, and it was her video blog, and she was working that into her narrative. So she yelled out, as soon as the film ended, shame on you, Sundance, this is the year of the woman, rape is not entertainment. And Craig tried to say, I, I agree, why are we yelling? Let's, let's talk <laughs> about this. And she left, and, but she made it part of her blog. Um, the other guy, um, when Dreamer Walker said, well, it's not supposed to be appealing, screamed out, your body sure is appealing. Everybody booed him. Good. But what Good. he really meant was that he was offended by it because we were, in a sense, making an exploitation film and making the, the, the you know, sexual humiliation and degradation of this woman uh, into entertainment or making it titillating, which... Is I don't know how you could see that movie and, and think that, and if you do, I, I I don't want to come off as too harsh here, but I kind of feel like that's on you because I know that's not our intent, and I've seen the film many times, and I know it's not there, and I think that's a um, ridiculous charge. And people are entitled their opinion, but I really feel like the movie is kind of a, a Rorschach test for people. They they see things about themselves. I think I was. I didn't tell you about this, but I was up in Traverse City, Michigan at Michael Moore's festival. And um, we had 50 walkouts there. So I thought, I didn't know much about Traverse City. It's a lovely city. It's a great festival, too. And he, you know, personally selects, you know, all the films. And and so he's a fan of compliance. So I thought it was a a more liberal crowd knowing that it was him. But it's actually a pretty conservative town, I guess. So we had a theater about 450 people. And we had 50 walkouts all at the same point, which... Tyler will know what that is. Mm-hmm. And it's about 20 minutes before the end of the movie. And um, uh, uh, and almost all those people came to either to the Q&A or came to talk to me in the lobby afterwards. But I saw Michael Moore the next day, and I t- he was asking me how the screening was. And I said, well, we had 50 walkouts. And he said, that's just because people can't stand what sheep they've become in the last 10, 12 years. We've bent over for these wars. We've done all these things. You know, he was totally fitting it into his paradigm, <laughs> but he was right. I mean, I really, I don't, I, I wouldn't go so far, but I would say that I think that what the film is about and it challenges people and it, it doesn't point the finger in a way that Michael Haneke does. And I love Haneke. He's one of my favorite filmmakers, but he's more distanced. And, and I think Craig is a lot more sympathetic. But it is sort of saying, like, well, what would you do? If you say that these people are just stupid or you say that this could never happen, then you, you, there's something about you that doesn't want to, like, accept that this is, like, a very real, you know, thing in human nature or maybe accept about yourself. And I think that that's the larger problem because the nitpicky stuff kind of gets um, 
real nitpicky and the exploitation thing just doesn't stick because people always ask us that and we ask them what they mean and they don't really have a real answer and people sometimes describe things in reviews like that they've seen that aren't in the movie hmm yeah it's like the people that level those charges at it and you go and you're like it's just not there so there must be something about it but it, it it becomes a deeply personal experience for everyone who sees it i remember i remember reading about uh, this is completely different but alien 3 uh-huh. someone complaining like i can't believe they showed an autopsy on a 10 year old i was really offended and still am but, I, I was amazed i just saw that film again not only an autopsy but, on a 10 year old girl but on that beloved girl that we love right. from alien so much but they don't actually show like right the, the, but the, the thing the, the person was describing them like opening her chest yes whatever, yes is, right it happens just below it cuts the away yeah yeah and yeah there are other reasons to be bothered yeah so, yeah no but, but yeah, it is, yeah, people just imagining that they've seen things. That's my geeky sidebar there. <laughs> yeah. I was very upset. And apparently Michael Bean was, too. <laughs> and he ended up making more money on that, them using his photo in that, than he did on the whole time he worked on Aliens. But, um, but yeah, they, it, I think it speaks to the power of the movie. I wish that those people would see it again. I, I have a feeling that a lot of people, you know, what you hear about the movie consistently is like, I wanted to get up, but I couldn't. Or... I can't stop thinking about it. And I hope that if someone has an objection to it, and people are certainly welcome to think that, you know, ex- exploitational or that it exploits women or whatever. I know that that's not our intent, and I know that it's not there. I, I, I just know that it isn't. And um, if anything, it brings awareness to something that, that a lot of people don't know exists. And I, I'd like to think that those people would go back and look online because they can't stop thinking about the movie, even if it's about how much it bothered them and they hated it, and see that so many people are saying, the movie tells you something about yourself that maybe you don't know or don't want to know. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily always bad either. It's just... Not at all. I think it's, it doesn't happen enough, frankly. Yeah. In, my, in my review, I think I... I don't remember if I put said it this specific way, but like, I think it's one of the least judgmental films I've ever seen, in a, and it's telling a story... That is, has so much potential for judgment. Yeah. The characters judging each other, which they do. Sure. But then, uh, on the part of the director, on the part of the audience, like, he doesn't, and we take our cues from the director, like, right. he doesn't judge any of these characters except yours. I mean, I um, don't even think that's true, I mean, so much. Or, 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 you know, Bill Camp's character, who does something arguably, you know, much worse. I yeah. mean, it, it, I think ultimately. You know, there's good and bad and all, all these people. I think what this guy that I played did is unbelievably cruel. But it's not a traditional monster in the sense of, like, muha-ha-ha-ha evil, you know. He's, you know, he's really incre- he's as, he's about as ordinary yeah. as anyone else, as, as anyone else in the movie. There's nothing really extraordinary about anyone. But it is quite extraordinary what they what they all do. Well, that's the thing is, like, you know, people are used to, and I, and I, I'm not sure if I would go so far as to uh, classify it the way Michael Moore did, but which is something I say constantly. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I'm not sure if I'd say people are are sheep, but I wouldn't by, either. By and large, most movies, there's a clear good guy, clear bad guy, clear goals, and we know what we know what to expect, and we know how we are expected to respond. None of that applies. There's, right. There, if, if anything, there's a clear bad guy. But one could say any number of these people are bad guys. Sure, the guy that that sees and knows what's going on and does nothing. 
you know the the, the I, woman who you know uh, knowingly sort of blocks out of her mind uh, what should be logical or, or you know and this guy is only as bad as these people allow sure. him to be it's because, a chain just like anything else yeah. that's well, how fascism or any of these yeah. sort of he systems would, begin he would stop being evil if after one question if the person hung up on him well we spoke a lot about that and how I played it which it's it's just a this is something actually that I wanted to yeah, ask yeah. about the because I don't want to spend the whole time on the controversy thing, but sure. to what extent did you guys, the cast crew, uh, you know, Craig Z- Zobel, 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 yeah. uh, to what extent did you guys talk about it beforehand? Did you anticipate? That, no, this? no, okay. not at all. I mean, I, it's not that we didn't think we were making something that was, you know, explosive, but we weren't. I had never had any discussions about making something confrontational or, or, or uh, ostensibly, you know, outwardly political or anything like that. I think the biggest discussions we had is whether people would buy it. And that that's one of the other... Like, I heard all about the controversy leading up to it, and then once people started seeing it, the big complaint that I heard was people saying, I don't, I don't believe it. Yeah, and so we were really rigorous in working the scenes to the point of, like, we're improvising on the phone where he would say to the actors upstairs and not tell me, don't, don't say yes. And, and I would have to, you know, convince them. You know, part of the reason that I'm in the movie is because... Craig knew, you know, because we're close and, and friends and because we worked together before that, he can count on me to just do what he needed to do while he tended to them. Mm-hmm. And they needed a lot more, you know, sort of, um, I just think emotional comfort, you know, than I did. I was, I, I felt terrible pretty much all the time, but, but I knew I could hack it and I wanted those people to feel the comfort they needed because they had to do some really pretty awful things. But, um, uh, what was it? <laughs> That's my train of thought. What you were asking me, yeah. Well, it's oh, like- it, but the controversy, yeah, about about it being misogynist or that exploitational is not really anything that occurred. And, and if anything, Craig was really conscious about. I mean, he he mapped out exactly what he was going to shoot and what he was going to show. And you know, there might have been one thing that he felt was maybe going too far and and took out. I don't I don't recall, but. To give you an example of this, um, he was recently, when I was in Michigan, he went to Locarno in Switzerland, which was the European premiere of the film. And there's a, a huge theaters. So the first night was 3,000 people and sold out. The next night was 1,200 1, sold out. They had to add another screening of 600 people. And he even said that they were laughing you'll see when you see the film there's uncomfortable laughter people need to like let off steam yeah. the movie doesn't have a release valve um, and um, but that at the press conference they, they asked well we heard about the you know big dust up at Sundance was it because the film is such a harsh critique on America and he said no uh, they, they called me a misogynist and, they, and the entire audience roared with laughter at that idea so I, I I don't know. It's really, it's a surprise to me. I mean, it's not in retrospect. I get it. I understand why people are upset, especially sitting in a theater with people and feeling that palpable feeling of dread of like being locked in the room with these people and being helpless to do anything about it when you feel like you know better. Do but, you think, uh, obviously you don't think the film's misogynist, but do you think there's anything to uh, that read? Do you think there is anything specifically American 
Yes. Uh, about it. Yes. I mean, but it's interesting that that reaction of like, ho, 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 silly Americans comes from the birthplace of fascism. So, right. yeah. And the movie is all about people who refuse to say yes or no. Yes. And this is from a neutral country, to, right? Yeah. This and to take reaction? it. And that's Switzerland. I mean, I'm sure there's people from all over the world that are at the festival and all over Europe, especially. But, um, you know, uh, the film goes back to the roots of uh, what Stanley Milgram was doing, which was, you know, looking at why Nazis yeah. were just following orders it's when things universal. are clearly, like, against their, you know, better judgment and, and against, like, you know, crimes against humanity, but it was okay because someone told them it was, you know. But, but do you still think there are specifically American elements to this? I do. I mean, I, I, I think that it has a lot to say about consumerist culture, fast food culture. Uh, I think it has a lot to say about corporate culture and structure um it has a lot to say about i think it's very it's american but it's probably universal gender politics you know which there's no way to discuss this kind of um a power uh dynamic without discussing gender it's, it is about a man c- committing crimes against women and um that is something that seems to be you know pretty predominant i heard a pretty like significant comedian on a uh, female comedian on a radio show today say that she believed that all women had been raped in one way or another you know not as a joke you know um it, it, it also i think speaks to where we are right now in terms of you know not to say that we're all sheep like michael moore said but but um deference to, to authority in this country right now is on an all-time high there's a reason this happened in the last 10 years and you didn't hear much about it for a while before that mm-hmm. if we've all sort of been ex- come to accept what happens at the airports now mm-hmm. and being patted down we've all come to accept people with large machine guns at the airport we've all come to accept certain things that we talk about with police officers and 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 all kinds of things um that are especially true about America right now. And when you see the film, um, especially in its its sort of, you know, look at, at, at consumerist culture and and the corporate structure and how you're just supposed to do what you're told um, is very American, but it, it seems to be universal as well. And I think the idea, and this can, this speaks to the, uh, the fact that this is a, a female-driven film, but yeah. also what you're talking about with authority is the idea that there is a for all intents and purposes, uh, an authority figure in, in your character, and that he gets people fighting each other. To turn on each other, yeah. Not like, and if they're fighting... He gets women to turn on each other, especially. Yeah. I did have that thought, yeah. yeah that it's just, they're now competing there's, with each other, and thus they don't question him at all. Right, there's class. There's also, within the, the fighting of, of the women, there's, there's class and there's age uh, uh, issues that come yeah. up. Um, that are part of the dynamics and and it, since you brought that up like that, I know that Craig really gets interested in these true life stories and, and these interesting stories and in the, the two films that we 've made the features that we made great world of sound and compliance, and then also some of the scripts that he 's written based on ideas or things that he 's heard about, and then he wants to like know like why mm-hmm. and the films become an investigation they 're a question that continue even through these q and a 's and as we show the movie and people tell us more about them and um that you know you really want to know why these people behave the way they do and i think that in seeing their behavior and trying to figure out their behavior 
you know, you start connecting dots. Because we've seen there's a 2020 report on the story, and you can see the security footage. But you don't know what the guy told him on the phone, except mm-hmm. from, from court transcripts and from that. And, and you don't, you know, and you know what they're saying about it now in retrospect, but you don't really know. I mean, that's, and even, I don't know what movie could show you, really answer for you why this happened. But what he does, I think, really masterfully is show you a, a, a possible version that does involve what sex people are, what age people are, where they are in the corporate structure, yeah. what kind of day it was, what somebody from the outside had said to him that day, what someone else who is not even part of the equation but is connected to one of those people that he happened to be you know, in a certain situation, meet in a perfect storm, uh, uh, you know, on one day, that this guy may not even have been some sort of criminal mastermind. I mean, clearly he'd been doing it a lot and never gotten this far. But all of those issues, which are American issues, which are just human issues, collide in this way that to create this, you know, uh, you know, sort of unspeakable horror. And it goes to the it goes to the uh, Milgram, you said, mm-hmm. the Milgram experiment as well. The idea that that something that strikes me about the film but also about a recent experience I had regarding a uh, stray kitten <laughs> uh, no I did not do anything with a stray kitten but uh, the idea of having the choice yes and if, as long as people feel like they have a way to escape they'll do almost anything the minute you say you have to do it they're done and in the same way okay here's what happened uh my adorable cat, Charlie, had developed something of a relationship with one of the kittens that we've spoken about on the show before uh-huh. that hangs out in our patio outside. And so we, my wife and I decided, well, this is the one cat that Charlie does not lunge at the glass to murder. And, uh, and so, <laughs> so we decided, let's, let's give it a shot. So we opened the door. We put Charlie in his little kennel so that he couldn't escape. And sure enough, the kitten came in, hung out right in front of his uh, kennel, and they bonded and all that. And then the kitten, like, roamed further into our uh, apartment, and we thought, like, we might be able to actually keep this cat. <laughs> then we shut the door. And the cat knew it immediately, ran to the door, ran up and down, throwing itself against the glass. Because it's just like, you were fine a minute ago, but the minute... The, the kitten knew she couldn't leave. Felt trapped. And I know that I, I, re- I recognize that's kind of a silly uh, metaphor. No, but no. I, think I mean, it, you actually brought fits. up like a really good point when you were talking about the beginning of that, which was something that we discussed a lot before we filmed the movie, but haven't discussed a lot since or in the Q&As, which is uh, a book called The Paradox of Choice, more or less. I think the guy's name is Barry Schwartz. I was mm-hmm. just looking it up there. Um, which uh, the basic concept is that you used to go want a bag of potato chips you go down the store and there's three bags to choose from. Now there's 80. And what it's doing is it's not creating more choice for people. It's, it's creating anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's much better to have a choice of three yeah. or two than 80 because people like get anxiety and then they like go home without buying anything. They just stare at the shelf, you know. I blame Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> for his uh, anti-monopoly I want to hear it. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> but it's like it's like do you know uh, 7-Eleven has hot dog flavored potato chips? I've heard this. I don't know if this if they do here in California. That actually is like all in keeping with, which by the way, the movie takes place in a fictitious fried chicken restaurant too, which has become topical for reasons that we could not have anticipated. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but uh, oh, uh, in terms of the paradox of choice, it's 
in that case, people would really just like to be told what to do here. Mm-hmm. You know, have to get this one rather than have to have to decide. And also, um, as to your hot dogs with the potato chips in it <laughs> and the chicken restaurant, you know, Craig, it was very important for him not to have. There's always like fast food nation where it's have like the restaurant's called like McDonald's or something. It's clearly <laughs> supposed to be McDonald's and it's not McDonald's. It's it's ultimately sort of distracting. He wanted to put it in a real place and what he was familiar with. Um, being from Atlanta, our regional chains, mm-hmm. um, Atlanta is the home of Chick-fil-A and also a restaurant called Bojangles, which is pretty, mm-hmm. which is delicious and pretty predominant throughout the South. But like it is supposed to be, you know, it's a really like amazing, amazingly specific place. That's not a real place that was created by Craig and Matt Mon, the production designer. That uh, that the eye for, the eye for detail is. I feel like I, I did not touch on it enough in my review because that is what, along with the performances, that's what sells it. Little I, things like like, uh, and it speaks to character as well. That I I had the briefest of thought of thoughts like why is why is Sandra's car parked so far away? Oh, it's the employee parking lot. Of course it would be. It's and she farther would, she away. She would sure. park it further away. The other employees, probably not. But that's where the employees are supposed to park so they don't take the customer's spots sure. away. And it's just little things like that. And then, like, knowing, having worked uh, very briefly at, uh, like, a pizza place, just knowing, like, how important the freezer is and just, like, in the script, but then also in in the types of uh, uniforms they wear and how each specific person chooses to wear their uniform. And uniforms is very yeah. important. It's just what we talk about with fascism and everything. But yeah. you're, you're bringing up a really good point, which is something we touched on again before, before David arrived, before we started recording this, which was, is that in discussing the controversy and discussing the you know, very disturbing content of the film, what often gets lost are discussing these great details like, it's nice that people are talking about Heather McIntosh's score, which is amazing and beautiful. Mm-hmm. But like the production design, Matt Mon did, and like I spoke about Chris Jeber earlier, I like to have like this, you know, sort of longer format to discuss these people are very important. But it also brings up for me something that I kind of have with the issue of people who say the film is misogynistic or the film is unbelievable or something is that. We're doing a lot of work, all of us, and that, for that detail, to mm-hmm. give the, the, the movie that word that I can't pronounce. Um, Very similar to Yeah, and thank you. <laughs> and um, it's kind of lazy of writers and audiences to, to, to not kind of even meet us halfway and do the work that we're doing to think that maybe like there might be some reason, there's some lots of indicators in the film that it is not an exploitation film mm-hmm. and that, um, you know, we wouldn't make a film like that and I I think it's kind of lazy it's sort of like my work as an actor and Craig's work as a filmmaker and everyone on board is to delve deeper and deeper and deeper especially we all wanted to do this movie because we have really huge questions about why and how something like this could happen and the whole movie is an investigation of that and I just feel like an audience and reviewers they've become too complacent I believe they should do the same work Mm -hmm. And even it may not that, be fun, but I think they should. And I don't think I don't think you have the right, unless you've done the work like we have, to just sort of dismiss it as sexist or something ridiculous like that. And the work does not necessarily mean does not necessarily have to mean, in my opinion, it doesn't have to mean looking up the details of the story. No, but it can mean because I, I am of the opinion that like, however, a person responds to it, that's 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 their business. Entirely but valid. At the same time, like. 
it's just like, well, this doesn't seem believable. And yet these characters are doing it. Well, so, I, so if you think about it a little hard, it's like, how could these characters do it? And with right. the characters that have been created, is this something that is conceivable that they could do? Sure. The answer in this film, in my opinion, is yes. There are some movies where it's like, that does not seem... For example, my least favorite scene <laughs> in uh, When Harry Met Sally is everybody's favorite scene. <laughs> right, sure. Which is the orgasm That's scene. That's always the famous scene in any movie. <laughs> it's true. It's like... <laughs> it's... That the orga- the fake orgasm yeah. scene in public, nothing we've seen of that character before, yeah, or and since. no one would ever do that on the planet Earth, right? So like everything, ab- so that and I eat in Katz's Deli. I, <laughs> they have the sign up and they tell you exactly where it was. That's, that doesn't happen in there. And so, <laughs> so with the character created, that's fine. That though. thing doesn't sure. that thing doesn't fit. Whereas everything, as, as as in the broad sense, as unbelievable as it is, it seems grounded in the emotional reality and the practical reality and I think but you but I, I agree you have to get there it's just you can't just dismiss it because it immediately doesn't feel well, totally right well and I right. feel like I don't want to totally dismiss there are people who genuinely don't buy the film and, and you know to them we didn't do our job and I, you know I, I can't argue with that you know it's like I, I feel we did but if they felt that way they're totally entitled to feel that way mm-hmm. you know um uh, some people don't buy it. A film should function as believable, whether it's based on true stories mm-hmm. or not. I agree. But I think that this movie makes the point of telling you in really big, bold letters inspired by true events mm-hmm. because the content of it is dependent on how ridiculous and how escalatingly ridiculous mm-hmm. and unbelievable it is and, and that that happened. There should be a clue to you that how much it escalates and how unbelievable it becomes about what it is. Um, your, your statement uh, that something should be believable whether it's based on a true story or not it reminded me of something I wanted to say months ago and could never find a way to fit in. <laughs> uh, I, I liked, I think, more than the average person, I liked Clint Eastwood's uh, J. Edgar movie. Uh-huh. But I don't know if you guys... I know you didn't like it I did not much. care for it. And did you see it? I'm going to uh, not <laughs> okay. speak um, on it. But there is a part where, um, is it Judy Dench? Is that who his mom yes. is? Where she tells him a story about a boy that he grew up with that um, the scene is so completely on the nose in such a way that took me out of the movie. The fact that I later read, oh, that really happened. There really was a boy, uh, like a sort of, you know, effeminate boy. I'd named rather him. have a dead son than a daffodil for a son. Yes, yes. and apparently that's all true about Jaeger's boyhood but i i didn't care apparently care most of that was, film is completely wildly inaccurate but <laughs> well, uh, well I, they had to they had to anchor it somehow and that story was it apparently uh, but that's that's the thing that's exactly what uh, i mean there are, what there are scholars about. on the on the subject that will will tell you that jagger coover was n- nowhere near close to being gay in any way shape or form so mm-hmm. i don't know but that didn't. Uh, that's not my but problem. But the story about movie. the kid he grew up with, I guess, is, is oh, what I'm saying, okay. is, is is apparently true. And but you know what? That doesn't. It doesn't matter to me that it's true. The scene still. It doesn't. It has false. to work. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, some people feel that way about this. But I, I don't know. Even as someone involved in it, I guess I'm biased. But I, that would also make me believe it less because I know we're acting. But I'm I'm I completely believe when I see Ann Dowd or Bill Camp or Dream Walker listening to me on the phone. I completely believe that, and I understand the reasons they come to the, the decisions they make. And so, I think uh, it seems like most people do, the most reviews and most audiences. Yeah. I mean, if you're yelling at the screen at a movie that's a drama, 
then you must be involved in that movie. Mm-hmm. And they're not yelling, this is a terrible movie. They're yelling at the characters to get out of there and stop. Not unlike uh, like a horror movie. It's like really. Poltergeist, yeah. 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 And, that's, uh, and yeah, I don't want, I don't mean to uh, be too dismissive. I mean, the movie's not like Poltergeist. I want to make that it's clear. Exactly I'm just saying like the, like Poltergeist the, the audience is reaction is not dissimilar <laughs> from Bill a Camp horror Bill Camp is film. like the... the Big tree I'm that swallows a <laughs> from Poltergeist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the, uh, but no, the. Um, I don't mean to to say like, well, if you've come to the conclusion that you think the film is unbelievable, then you are clearly wrong. And that I, you're I don't either. I'm I don't think that it's clear. that. But like, if that's your knee jerk reaction and that's the first place you go, well, of course it's it, it seems unbelievable. Almost any, I hate to put it this way, like. The, the shooting in Aurora seems somehow unbelievable yes. because we, I cannot, we cannot as reasonable people it's imagine how this happened. It's unfathomable is the best way to put it. Yeah. And so, but you have to do the work to see if, okay, but given all the context that the film has provided, is it somewhat believable? And if the answer is yes, great. If it's not great as well, but at least you've gone for, you sure. go further into it with, the details that the film has provided you uh, with, and so like, as long as you do that, and not simply, eh, it wasn't believable. You know, it's that. I guess it's that general dismissal. Well, we've gotten attitude. really. I mean, I love, as you know, all types of films, and and um, you know, there. As some people say, my brother says this. Uh, you know, there's two types of films. There are mirrors, and there are windows, and we've. And they're both fine, mm-hmm. but we've gotten really comfortable with windows, windows mm-hmm. into other worlds and, and magical things and escapes, you know, and we need a mirror once in a while. And the mirror right now is not too good. I mean, we're not we're not in a great place. You know, we may each individually be be, be all right morally, but, you know, uh, you know, some of us are not doing that well. And, you know, financially and morally and all kinds of things are going on. All kinds of dispiriting things are going on. And I think that the best thing that art can do, and I'm not saying it's what art or entertainment or film has to do all the time, but the best thing that it can do is make people think and feel about something in a way they hadn't before and make them think about something like the people that take us aside young women and older women a lot who say thank you for this movie I've, I've been in a situation like this or I have my daughter you know has been in a situation like this or or I'm about to enter into this field and it really like I didn't know about this I didn't know that this happens that make people think even like you know I've, I've I remember being a very vulnerable sort of sad young man in Hollywood in my early days and depressed and going to get my smog check for the first time and having these guys very aggressively like say I needed to buy these tires or I was going to my tires were going to blow up and I needed to get all this stuff and I remember I emptied I knew I knew they were wrong I knew they were hustling me but I felt so intimidated and I gave them like $750 and this is like in like 1998 and and uh, and I got in my car and I cried why did I do that why did I just not why did I just say no I can think of 10 examples yeah. like that. And so can Craig and so can, you know, any of us that worked on the film. And we can think about being on the other side of that equation too where we maybe threw somebody under the bus when we didn't need to because we thought that it was the right thing to do or would help the the, the thing at large or, or or help, you know, someone else, you know, and then wonder like I really didn't need to do that. It wasn't necessary, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, most of us will have the have the knowledge and the foresight, or the after after sight, or the hindsight to 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 go back and correct that. But like we we, it, the movie gets the reaction it did because it's all too recognizable. Mm-hmm. Well, it's getting to be 
time, close to time for us to yeah. wrap up, but I have a couple of questions. Sure. Uh, I want to know, uh, you know, being friends with and having worked with Craig Zobel before, at, at what point were you signed on? Did you did you already say yes before you ever saw the pretty late the script, yeah or? no pretty late okay. because um they were filming in new york and i was out here and 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 it, you know it wasn't a big budget and i know they were not you know some of the producers were not keen on flying somebody in i mean they could have asked me and i would have just gone in on my own dime anyway uh-huh. but um so that was happening and also i was going through some personal tribulations in in my life that made it sort of difficult for me to be in contact with craig so i he had told me about the story i'd say around christmas time and then i and then like about two weeks before i started shooting he said you know will you come and do this so it was pretty quick you know um we had discussed it and discussed the story before but i hadn't read the script and i was reticent you know i really didn't especially when i was younger i was like i i didn't i hated when people go like oh you were so creepy in that and i i I took it personally. I'm like I'm I'm mature enough now to like know there's a distance between me and a character and and see that that's a compliment because I know uh-huh. that I'm not as a person but that I've given a good performance. So I didn't want to do something like this and this is definitely I doubt I will play a worse human in my life. I mean, uh-huh. I played Charles Manson in a play in my 20s and that didn't bother me nearly as much as like playing this wow. guy did. Hmm. So, um but I said yes because it was Craig and because it was a thing and and we didn't actually even know at that point if he was going to use me I mean he was going to use my voice for sure but he said you know just so you know there's a chance that you know I may decide not to ever show you and um, you know so I was really not doing it for any reasons of vanity or career or anything just to be involved in the project and to work with Craig again for all of this acclaim for the movie and and you know personal acclaim that I've gotten which I've gotten press like I've never gotten before in my life um, it's just extra and just really kind of you know a wonderful gift because we I think if you do things for the right reasons if you do it for the work and you do it you know to work, be with those people then I think you get the rewards well finally I want to ask you because this has been such a heavy conversation yeah sorry and this is probably the least funny battleship pretension well, ever but, but I want to ask you do you always guys... have that nutty theme at the beginning that yeah. things up <laughs> well there was a there was a political episode a couple of weeks ago uh, yeah, oh, that, that I haven't um, caught up yet did you guys or is that fun? in a few weeks no okay. it might be okay. next year I yeah. don't really know anymore did, did we you have guys fun? have fun making the movie you know I'm treading a, a, a thin line here on this and I and I don't want to upset anybody I love everybody involved and I've you know I've known a lot of these people that work on the crew for over a decade now and I love I did not know any of the actors Bill Camp uh, Dream of Walker, Ann Dowd, Ashley Atkinson, Phil Edinger, uh, a few others I'm forgetting right now. Um, sound like I'm giving my award speech. And I really love like being around them in between um, takes and even doing the work. But I was completely miserable. I mean, I really, yeah. really just felt awful because... You know, even though, like, my take on the method is not the Strasbourg method, you know, of, like, believing I am the person. It's more of, like, the Stella Adler school of script analysis and using my imagination. It's just that the camera is so macro, and it captures a feeling that you have to really feel those feelings. And feeling, like, feelings of such hatred and and especially like the self-loathing I think is really important that comes out in, like, attacking other people. I was in a cold basement. I mean, they were cold upstairs, too, but I was alone, really. I had my mm-hmm. own camera team and all that stuff on me, and, and it was three weeks. And like I said, I was going through some probably the worst personal crisis of my life at the time when I did it, which 
I'm kind of grateful for now because this is, I don't know that I would have been able to play this character without sort of going to those depths and allowing myself. It just gave me a chance to like shed my vanity and all that stuff, but I didn't have a good time performing it. I'm so happy about the movie now. I'm so proud of it now. And I was telling Tyler earlier, I know I've said this a lot, but we were waiting for you a little bit before you got here, that (laughs) when I watched this movie for the first time, I, for the first time in my life, I felt like I was not watching my, myself, but watching another person. I, I think I had distanced myself so much from it. But it was really interesting, and I really, I'm glad. I think I had to do that to protect myself, because I don't remember having a whole lot of fun on the set. I know that everyone else did, you know, and yeah. I know they weren't, like, unpleasant or made to feel, like, uncomfortable in any of the situations, you know. And, and whenever I could go up in the room with them... It was great, you know, and Dreama and, and Anne and everybody was texting or laughing or sitting at craft services or laughing and making jokes. The whole Charlie Sheen meltdown was going at the time, so we were <laughs> laughing about that. But playing the part was not, not, not a lot of fun, but I don't know. I guess sometimes it's like the no pain, no gain thing, you know. And I was going to, I know that we only have a, a few minutes left, and maybe I'm about to ask a question that will... Yeah, I was, I was late. Blow up the room. Oh, no, no, I'm cool, man. Oh, no. Okay. Um, but yeah, okay, so already you, you've uh, started to answer it a little bit, but, uh, you know, when you... I'm, I'm fascinated when we have actors on the show that have played villains, and I'm... I'm and, Somehow it feels wrong with a movie like this to say your character is the, is the villain. That oh, sounds a little. Oh, he certainly much, is. I yeah. mean, yeah. I just I, when I say villain, I pack, picture like you know Hans the, the mustache yeah. twirling and the top hat and all that. Yeah. But you know um, I picture John Phillips Jafar. London. I have to myself. <laughs> I picture Jafar from Aladdin. Oh yeah, I can see that. Look, one way or the other, there's going to be facial hair involved. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, but I'm, I'm fascinated when somebody plays uh, really any kind of villain, especially if the villain has some kind of uh, real-life motivation or seems to, like, they could have existed in this world. And with a character like this, where you're able to see the emotions and the arc of all these other characters, mm-hmm. you're not able to see a lot of yours. You see, really, the, one of the only emotions, aside from from some panic when uh, the call might end. Glee. Uh I saw Glee and I saw uh, Surprise. Sure. Like, almost as though your character was was watching other people doing things, not recognizing, well, I'm the one making, asking them to do it. Like, acting as though he was a spectator watching something else sure. and not an active participant. Well, that was very important. And I, I, I suggest people, not just because I wrote it, but I did write an op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal about playing this part and and there was another theme running through this movie which was our our disconnection from each other Mm -hmm. and that this guy did what he did um, from a remove Mm -hmm. Craig and I talked a lot about how for him the stakes were very very low the worst thing that was going to happen was they were going to hang up on him Mm -hmm. he wasn't watching it it wasn't a voyeuristic situation and to him he's a jerky boy he's making a call he's making a prank call and at some point the, you know, the in my the inmates in some way begin to run the asylum and take yeah. over and exceed his own depravity in a way that 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 surprises him. And um, I, I I don't remember taking a lot of joy out of doing it, but I must have because it looks very real when I watch it. But I don't. I honestly don't remember. I'm not being disingenuous at all. Um, but I. But again, I was so disconnected from it, and I think mm-hmm. in our culture, like. 
something like this may not have happened if we were pay- if we're paying attention more. We all sort of have Aspergers in a way where we're not recognizing each other's face because we're not looking at each other and we're not paying attention to the signs and we're getting in relationships with people and with our leaders and things without really paying attention to who they are because we at a time when we're so connected by technology we're we're less connected than we've ever been you know uh, without trying to sound too hyperbolic you know and it's one of the things that the movie's about and it's a guy who's just completely detached and uh and even from himself and and you know a lot of people have have pointed out my myself my performance as a disembodied voice which is really interesting because you really see me a lot Mm -hmm. but it still seems like a disembodied voice to them because it's 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 so it's so it's so detached and it's that's sort of chilling he's really and and perhaps uh, you use this uh when you when you played him but he's really not that different than the internet troll who shows no just to say something Everyone else gets stirred up, and that doesn't bother him at all. That's what he wants to achieve. I'll tell you that that's exactly what my okay where 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 I'm coming from with it, you know. And it's weird because I'm seeing now internet troll reaction to the movie, <laughs> and it's like a weird like meta thing, you know, that's happening where it's like it's real easy to to be a you know what they used to call a telephone tough guy, you know, mm-hmm. and hang up and walk out of the room. And in fact, the woman that shouted "rape is not entertainment" at Sundance ran out of the room and didn't stay to discuss it either Hmm. it's real easy to be that kind of person in today's world but you know it's like really screwing us up and I think that if a movie like this can bring attention to to that as well as the other issues that we've talked about then then I'm okay with people being a little upset by it because maybe they'll think about it is it True. I don't. Uh, I'm asking both of you because I don't know if this is actually true but that YouTube is moving towards a thing where your account is your name uh, that just happened to me because I just started. Put, uh, okay. I put up some audition videos okay. for someone to send, and it, yeah, my name, my my name is now changed to my name. I think that's a great thing. I, yes, I, I love that. That's great. Like because it's not like people look at it as like fascistic or whatever, but it's just like no, you should be accountable for your actions, you know. And also, it's a company; it can do what it wants. Yeah, you know, it's fine. Yeah, it's not fascistic. No, I mean, I've had people tell me to commit suicide and cut my legs off and all kinds of things on Twitter because they didn't like a movie I was in. And it's just like, why cut your legs off? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's like the innkeepers, which is like, if, if anything, maybe you're not, you're not overwhelmed by it. But it's, it's certainly a very pleasant movie. It's certainly not an angering movie, even if yeah. you didn't like it. I mean, it's like, gee whiz. I mean, I guess I'm getting my first taste of, you know, fame, uh, champagne problems. But it's it really is strange because they don't have to identify themselves and they can just go tell me to kill myself and, yeah. and disappear into the woodwork. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen Compliance yet. I look forward to it. I loved The Innkeepers. But you've been on the show since The Innkeepers. Well, you've been I don't the, think the, I, You've been in the videos. But I've been in the videos, but not on the show. The last show I think I did was the live show, which is over two years ago. Oh, wow. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I love the interviews. I know. Well, I want to do the show all the time, you guys. So, like, whenever, <laughs> you know, you think think about me, then, right. you know, I'll, I'll be here if I can. Big spending donors. Keep that in <laughs> mind. Yeah, and I, I'm going to be digging up some stuff, hopefully, for the... Um, for the drive, but cool. I don't, I'm not going to commit that. to anything yet because I'm not sure exactly what's available. But there should be some some good Healy nuggets. Awesome. Uh, th- there's a part in the Innkeepers that I think of. Still, it's been months since I've seen it. Mm. Still, maybe once a week, I think of your character being 
drunk and walking into the the chain <laughs> yeah the, light bulb. the spider web yeah yeah <laughs> she clearly says there's a light bulb there <laughs> yeah. and you go spider web that was actually a, a uh, that comes up for me a lot too actually because that, that's something that happened and that's actually really what happened uh-huh. and I couldn't see down there and I thought I got hit by a spider web and <laughs> I'm I'm uh, not popping out of character but uh-huh. but honestly reacting to a light bulb chain which I think is a spider web and then and then once I'm corrected uh, doing the man thing and saying like no no it's a spider web <laughs> yeah no I love yeah. that too uh, there's 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 little bits in that film that I, I think the film's great there's little pieces of business that I think again that people don't pay attention to that get that get lost that the movies are about character and business as much as they are about the story or what's going to happen or what the big payoff is and i love that about that movie it's so it's so richly detailed with little things like that yeah. and and recognizable human behavior that even in some of the really entertaining movies we like we don't see a whole lot of anymore and i, I really like that about it but so thank you yeah, well, thank you for uh, being on the show. Absolutely, and Compliance is released. By the time this goes up, it will. it's available in Los Angeles. You can go and see it. Yeah, and in Boston, in, uh, I will tell you exactly where, in Boston, in Washington, D.C., in uh, in the next coming weeks, Chicago, St. Louis, uh, San Francisco. Um, so, yeah, over by the 31st, about 20 different places. Okay. Um, check your local listing. Seattle. Um, a lot of major cities, most of the major cities, St. Louis. Well, that's great that it's yeah. getting so wide a release. Yeah. So, listeners, if you ha- I, having seen the film myself, and now that you've listened to this, and see it in the theater because it's a it's a whole other yeah. experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no question. Uh, you might be alone by the end of the movie, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, having listened to this, I think you are well prepared for what this movie is going to be. Yeah. Although, incidentally, you're not. Yeah. No, um, you can never really be prepared. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, go and see it I, I'm, I'm interested to see what uh, what our listeners think and uh, and you can read my review on the on the website an excellent review by the way thank, thank you. you very much so um, again uh, we didn't I don't think we said at the top the 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 donation drive ends September 16th at midnight right that, that is the last midnight uh, Pacific Standard Time yeah or Pacific Daylight I don't know which one I predict see time. we know that now I predict that next week we might be a little shaky on that <laughs> I'm gonna yeah okay uh, I'll address it. Okay. Um, so uh, you can find that. So the, you, you go to battleshippretension.com to donate or to listen to the show or or to read reviews such as Tyler's review of uh, Compliance or, or, you know, any other uh, great new releases that are reviewed and, well, and I bad like ones. the reviews that West uh, is reading, and he did the one for Compliance, which was great. I enjoyed that. All right. Yeah. 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 Can West. you imagine if that had its own feed? <laughs> Donation Drive, 2012. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's at BattleshipPretension.com. Oh, uh, you can email us at David at BattleshipPretension.com or Tyler at BattleshipPretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at The Pretension. Follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at MoreThanOneLesson.com. And my other podcast, The Weekly television wrap-up show previously on is at previously on show.com so pat where can people find you and compliance related stuff on the internet so i'm on uh, pat underscore healy h-e-a-l-y i have a tumblr the pat healy tumblr.com uh which i write about film a lot and put dumb pictures from film and stuff i try to keep it at movie stuff um you can read about compliance if you go to magpictures.com. It'll list all of the... You should click on the compliance icon and find out all the cities and theaters it's playing at. Hopefully more will be added soon. Uh, if you go on the iTunes site, uh, trailers, you can see the trailer for the film and also 
a uh, featurette on the making of the film and um, uh, a clip from the film. Okay. And um, I think maybe there's a compliancemovie.com, too. I don't think there's anything there. If you go to the Mag, Mag Pictures site, Magnolia Pictures site, then... Uh, you can find all this stuff there on compliance. All right. Well, thanks again for being here. Thanks it's a lot great. for having me, guys. Uh, My pleasure. Thanks to everyone at home for listening. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.